Hey everyone, just a reminder that we are recording remotely while we're quarantined, uh, so the sound might be slightly compromised, but hopefully not too bad. Enjoy! Welcome to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast about politics, sex, and the unrelenting firehose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week, we'll vent about the news, go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something helpful. Hooray! Yeah. Just a reminder, if you're a fan, to, to rate and review and like us and follow us and, and recommend us to your friends and your coworkers and whoever. All those good things. They really, really helps us out. Yeah. It sure does. Well, we're going to talk about cancel culture today, but, <laughs> but first <laughs> we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the just a, a shout out to some of the good work that Biden's done so far and what we may continue to do as an ongoing thing because it's nice to have potentially ongoing uh, good good things happening at the highest level of government. Um, yeah, nice balance. Yeah, so <laughs> just a little shout out to all those um, executive orders that he's kind of, <laughs> I just wanted to say jizzed out, but that's... <laughs> I was just imagining like a force and so much. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. sure, sure. <laughs> sure. Anyway, because in his first forty-eight hours alone, he cranked out almost like thirty of those bad boys. Um, and some of the notable ones are prohibiting workplace discrimination in the federal government based on sexual orientation and gender identity, and directing federal agencies to ensure protections for LGBT, LGBTQ plus people are included in anti-discrimination statutes, reversing the trans-military ban, rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement, um, executive order to promote racial equity by basically having resources allocated to advance equity for people of color and others who have been historically marginalized um, after making assessments to see where these resources need to be reallocated. Um, they're stopping construction of the border wall, ending the Muslim ban. I have to wear masks on federal property now, Rand Paul. Um, <laughs> reimposing the ban on drilling in the Arctic Wildlife Refuge because, mm. <laughs> again, why did you, mm. <laughs> why you stop that? Tossing out the 1776 commission report. Um, all kinds of uh, all kinds of nice things, which you know are, are meaningful because it's. A lot of a lot of what Trump got done was via executive order, and mm -hmm. just as he decreed it with his little pen, Joe Biden can put his little pen down and undo it. So that's very it's very nice to see because it's it feels cleansing. It's like a saging. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Executive orders uh, giveth and then they taketh away. Exactly. Uh, Such is the nature of things. Which is yet another reason why meaningful, substantive uh, legislation from Congress is really helpful because it's way mm -hmm. harder to reverse if you can mm -hmm. get Congress to actually do their 
job, which is legislating. Um, so that yeah, that's not what they're supposed to be doing. You know, bizarrely, oh, <laughs> that's actually what they're supposed to be doing. Dear. And um, it's been so nice to see all these executive orders that Biden, you know, he's done them with immigration and uh, prison reform and the environment and all this like different um, interagency directives to combat white supremacy. So, so on so many different um He's firing on a lot of different cylinders, and it really feels like he's taking, uh, gesturing to the far left and to the people that put him in power, that he's taking their concerns and their their needs seriously, which is great. Um, and then we kind of turn to, now we turn to Congress as we, <laughs> you know, with a very furtive glance and say, like, oh, come on, man. Like, so basically this big thing that's that's brewing it's going to be i think probably like the fight of the next couple of years is uh filibuster the filibuster reform and that's you know we can get into it in more detail in a different episode um but Mitch McConnell's in the minority now. Thank fuck. <laughs> and it's crazy to me that this man thinks that he can actually get up and threaten to use the filibuster against Democrats if Democrats, unless Democrats promise not to take that tool away from him. It's like, you, oh, the it's bad faith. Such, and also such a baby toddler, little <laughs> child logic. Like, yes. you... If you, I'm going to do the thing you don't like, unless you tell me I can do the thing you don't like later. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, and this is like, yeah. So I have enjoyed in the last 24 ish hours, maybe slightly less the news articles, just using the term Mitch McConnell folded on the filibuster. I've (laughs) never seen, I literally almost, I meant to screenshot and text to you with like the jizzing <laughs> i'm all jizzing today it's just like jizzing emoji like oh my god yeah i've enjoyed I've it seen that because sometimes it's really frustrating to see takes from politico or other like the hill on twitter being like schumer folds like pelosi folds and it's sort of like okay this is just one day and it was one thing and you know that's type of like sort of that type of discourse around what they're doing in Congress is not really helpful. And it definitely doesn't promote any sort of bipartisan action or standing your ground. It's just awful. But yesterday I was all about it just because I knew it was going to piss off Mitch McConnell. He might argue that he got, he extracted something. He did get commitments like they weren't, they were only verbal. So, I mean, who knows in this day and age, but you know, Joe Manchin, who is insufferable. He's the Democrat from West Virginia, who's super moderate. He got Joe Manchin to reiterate that he's against getting rid of the filibuster and Kirsten Sinema, who is kind of a new one. She from, she's a Democrat moderate from Arizona and she committed to not wanting to get rid of the filibuster. However, it's been pointed out that there are other moderates, Chris Coons, Michael Bennett, other Democratic moderates who in the last couple of years have said they are against the filibuster and have come around. And I think all it takes is, you know, Mitch McConnell's continued bad faith. I hope, I hope, you know, Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema are able to move on this because we, we, we got through, it took so much for Democrats to get 
the Senate, the the House and the presidency. And we will likely lose one, you know, we'll lose some some of it in 2022, most likely. What is more likely is we could keep it if we can actually get meaningful legislation passed. The only way to get that get things passed is at this point, you have to get rid of the filibuster. There's a lot you can do with budget reconciliation, but after that, you have to get rid of it so that we can pass things 50-50 or 51-50. And um, so I think... And Mitch McConnell has started off on day one with bad faith requests. So I'm just I'm just going to put it out there. I think this is going to be the big thing. It's definitely stressing me the fuck out because I do worry. And I hope I hope this isn't the case. Like Chuck Schumer was on Rachel Maddow last night, sort of. It made it seem like he understands, and as Rachel Maddow was saying, like, remember, there were these mistakes that the Obama administration made early on, or they were wide, they're widely seen now as mistakes because it was attempts, they watered down healthcare legislation and a bunch of other stuff to get to, to uh, comply with what Republicans wanted it at that time around 2009. And Ultimately, every single thing that was passed was passed by Democrats. In the end, Republicans didn't support things that they said they would support, and it was just weaker legislation. So that's kind of the, I think that's the lesson is at a certain point, if you're, if people aren't willing to have conversations in good faith, the American people by a wide majority elected, uh, we got past gerrymandering, we got past the rural states having an outside influence in the Senate, we, through the skin of our, by the skin of our teeth, we have majorities in, you know, the executive and legislative branches. And we demand change. We demand legislation because we got, we, we, this is who we've elected and it was, took a fuck ton of work. So I hope I think that the Biden administration understands this and will learn hopefully from these types of like from history, but oh man, this filibuster so. <laughs> is stressing me the fuck out. <laughs> what well, is stressful because it, it feels like we've gotten, we have so, so much we've achieved recently and that we've suffered through to get here and that we have this huge opportunity in front of us and the idea, the, the thought of just like frittering it away with all this watered down legislation is is heartbreaking. And I, I do agree with you that it seems like they they see what's up and that hopefully we'll just get a bunch of fucking hella meaningful legislation passed, you know, and it's gonna be great. <laughs> be great. It's you know. gonna be great. <laughs> it's sort of there's this theme that I think um, runs through a lot of what we're going to discuss today when it comes to Ooh. cancel culture. Love a theme. Love a segue. <laughs> love a good theme. Love a good segue. Um, but w- w- the idea, and I think we're going to be saying this a lot, like in the coming weeks, months, year, who knows, but accountability is needed before you get unity. You need accountability first, and then you can have unity. You cannot have unity before you have accountability because otherwise there's just no foundation of, of, of trust and of an, uh, an agreed on understanding of, of what bad behavior can't stand. You know, it, it should not be allowed to stand going forward. No. Um, <clears throat> and like, I think that we need people to understand in our government and a broad acknowledgement that the the behavior of the Trump administration, especially when we look specifically at the 
events of January 6th and that that disgusting display of insurrection um, is not going to be tolerated because if there are no consequences for this. And we've already, we've spoken about this, different we see use um, throughout the entire Trump administration. But the the problem with uh, there being no accountability is history will repeat itself and it will be worse. So, you know, there's a lot of people that are sounding the alarm bells like, this coup failed, but in a, like throughout history, the next coup succeeds because it's a savvier person. It's a Ted Cruz or a Josh Hawley. Not that they're even that savvy, but they're just not as much of a bombastic asshole as Trump, you know? And if one of those people succeeds, uh, there very well might be some sort of successful coup. Um, so it needs to be called out. It needs to be rooted out. There needs to be consequences for people's actions when they are inciting violence (laughs) exactly it's like we're we're saying we will unify with those who like see the error of their ways Mm -hmm. (laughs) and who haven't you know honestly want to change and and get out of this the cult of trump you know which experts say that the people who at this point are still rabid trump supporters it's cult-like behavior and they need to be kind of like deprogrammed mm-hmm. <laughs> from him. But the people who aren't apologizing and who aren't, who see no error in their ways, we don't need to unify with those people because when we accept that behavior, if we just walk hand in hand, just by down the street together, and we're like, well, you know, you're racist and awful, but that's okay by me. I have enough privilege to get by, you know, mm-hmm. we're not going to make any progress by, there's a difference between being polite and being kind. That's not kind to allow that kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, it's maybe easier for individuals in the moment to like, oh, it's it sounds nice to say, let's unify and let's just get past. That's easier for me. Let's just we're past it now. We've moved on. It's all fine. Yes. But like, no, not how it works. Because there are. Overarching things in this country, culturally, systemically, in every corner of American life, politics, governance, like just the bedrock of our country, like that need to be addressed, changed, progress needs to be made. And one of the one of the things, because this is just such a tough toxic hard time to be an American an American citizen like it's just it's not a good time um but it's partially because we're all forced to reckon with the sins of our ancestors and the you know sin for lack of a better word like the atrocities the injustices that this country was built on and that type of discourse specifically makes a lot of people uncomfortable and the tone, you know, there's, there's a lot of conversations that are around tone or around like when you are, when, when, because more people that are from more diverse backgrounds um, and sexual orientations and every, everything um, are emboldened to speak in a good way and have bigger platforms and more followers and people are connecting over the internet and, and their communities. Uh, 
powerful people are being held to account for their words and their actions in different ways, in new ways for the first time, really. And that has led us to this d- gross little topic that is just so fucking uh, called cancel culture. Cancel culture. <laughs> <laughs> Holding people accountable. Don't want to be held accountable. They don't. They don't they want don't. to. And why? And it's like, first of all, free speech exists, but it doesn't mean that it's free from repercussions. You can't say whatever you want. And then if someone's upset by what you said, be like, well, free speech. But no, mm-hmm. you still, you still said words and you're accountable, <laughs> accountable again. People don't like being held accountable. Yeah. And it's the people who rail against cancel culture remind me of the people who rail against being PC. It's like the new, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, people are still like, oh, that's too PC, but it's like the new version of it. The new buzzword for the, for conservatives, for sure. Yeah. It's like, oh, sorry, I'm not politically correct. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's not cancel culture. It's like, it's not edgy or cool or intellectual to be unkind to others to and in some cases be violent towards others or murder people like there's all there's a wide that's another thing is there's a wide range of like offenses people Mm -hmm. make that that leave people in the public eye to be held again held accountable now Mm -hmm. um and there are things people got away with for so long particularly when you think when i think about you know the me too movement and everything that came forward with that like there was so much that was happening for so long that's still happening widely not you know a lot of times more often than not probably people aren't held accountable at all yeah starting to happen and the people in powerful and power like namely old white men Mm -hmm. don't like the idea that they can't do and say everything that they want (laughs) yeah unchecked (laughs) yeah no but (laughs) no you can't tell me what to do i can say whatever i want and not care how it impacts others but now i feel a thing yeah (laughs) like you're calling me racist and that and the 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 name calling is worse than the offense itself for these you know these people that are being called out for their words or their destructive actions (laughs) like uh it's ridiculous and it's like we're not saying like no one should ever work again if they make like an honest mistake but it's like if you are you know jerking off at your co-workers hashtag louis ck yeah you know in a way where you're targeting them uh people who you know you have no belief to think would have an interest in you and even if you did you're at the workplace and it's mm-hmm. it's a power anyway we don't need to get into again why that was fucked up but <laughs> people are railing out about cancel culture with that um and he, I mean, people still like him and he kind of doubled down on, he didn't give us mm-hmm. an, a real apology. He didn't show remorse or make any sort of reparations. No, he um, actually seemed to get more angry and offensive. He did. He was mm-hmm. just like, this is my brand now. I'm doubling down into the shit. <laughs> in fact, I believe I he, am. he made some jokes about um, the Parkland kids in a way that, in, in, in a, you know, like, oh, one of them, you know, oh, I guess I'm, you're not a hero because you threw a fat kid in front of you to like get killed as you ran away or some something something along those lines where I remember just being like my jaw was on the ground like what the fuck I mean yeah, yeah we okay don't need that. 
Yeah. Why are people so into defending that? It's it's not it's not funny. It's not like like the funniest joke you can think of is like dead kid humor or fat jokes. Like you need to go back to the drawing board. I mean, Aziz Ansari's like comeback, like uh, tour was also kind of had a lot of this like woke mob went after me and now I know who my real friends are type space with like a very small acknowledgement that he might have harmed someone um, at the beginning. And I understand. And I think that the frustrating thing and the reason why one of the reasons why this is a frustrating tough conversation is because I understand that there's the, the the discomfort. And in a lot of cases there, as soon as there's a mob mentality around anything, um, it's important to kind of scrutinize and be careful before you jump on the bandwagon. I am so guilty of this on Twitter, like being kind of seeing a headline tweeted out by someone I like respect. I'm, you know, and then I'm just like, fuck that. But you know, like well, you, you see the headline and you're like enraged instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's hard to see nuance when you're seeing red, you know, so much uh, like from a headline. And I, I, I do want to challenge myself to get better about like being part of a Twitter mob. I, I, I see, and I, I, I understand there's a lot of lazy tweets and a lot of like lazy punching down and put downs from people saying like, like for instance, if, if, if there's someone on Twitter who, who tweets something and it's, you know, it's a, it's a question, they're posing a question. It's, definitely deemed offensive by some people, but it's also like they're trying to understand and there's just no space for just trying to understand on Twitter. That type of discourse is hard. (laughs) Um, But someone will retweet that, that question and say like, imagine being that stupid lol, like SMH, you know, or something shaking my head. Like it's it. And then like, what are we doing? You know? And then people are like, yeah, like, like what white male privilege to even ask that question. And it's sort of, I understand then why that's alienating to, to people who are like, damn, I, you know, I was just asking, you know, I really was trying to understand, but then again, you're putting the question out there. You are responsible for your own thumbs and your own brain. And if you put the question yeah. out there, people in the public square are allowed to be like, that was an ignorant question. And here's why. Yeah, because it's like there are there are few few things I feel like you can't if you really want the answer about things you don't understand, sensitive topics. I feel like there are a few things you can't get a good enough understanding from from, you know, Googling it mm-hmm. or looking it up and doing research. But at the same time, there is something to be said for hearing a human perspective about it and getting something explained to you in a way. It's just, you know, I think it's, who are you asking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why? Like, are they okay with being asked this? Is this intrusive to ask them this? And all these mm-hmm. questions. And of course, it's like, as humans, it would be nice if you see someone and it seems like their intent is good and they're asking a question and, you know, we don't need to pile on and <laughs> tell them how, because that just, it turns people away from you and from the, the good, the good fight and the good causes. And it's, it's frustrating to see, you know, it is frustrating to see sometimes like people in certain levels of privilege, not understanding certain things and asking things in ways that are, that could be hurtful, but 
it is, I think, important to take intent into account and to not lambast or cancel people who don't deserve it. Um, you know, like one thing I saw today actually was that Billie Eilish apparently <laughs> thought of box of fruit loops cost $35 which is like what quite quite out of she was like gosh like I don't know which is very 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 out of touch and like like oh girl it's like oh you know you're 19 I'm assuming your parents bought your cereal and now you're rich as fuck and you know whatever and it's like this is obviously not like an extreme example of like violence or whatever but it's like people are are getting mad some people and then other people are like super defending her. And it's like, at the end of the day, like what she, I think she'll probably be like, I should really understand more about like, <laughs> yeah. about this. And she speaks out about like privilege and things like that, but it's not worth canceling someone over or getting really pissed or like attacking their character because it's right. something you can see as like, okay, this is a blind spot they have that they now recognize. Um, they didn't intentionally hurt anyone or in this case, I think really hurt anyone at all, but yeah, um, it's just, I think it's important to look at things individually and look at like intended damage and damage done. Um, and also like where they're at now and what they're saying and how they're feeling. And it's, just yeah. I think it's just about wanting to like challenge ourselves to like consume like consume ethical people and things and um not about trying to cancel everything we don't agree with right because I think also an important part of this is that despite what Fox News and the Republicans continue to say I mean Josh Hawley has been saying I'm being canceled I'm being muzzled even though it's like okay no first of all no you say you're being canceled while you're on like the cover of like the New York Post and you're speaking on Tucker Carlson it's like that classic thing from death to 2020 where Lisa Kudrow plays the uh conservative pundit and she's like I I'm being canceled and I've said it on Tucker Carlson and I've said it on Joe Rogan. And then I said it again on, you know, Fox and friends. And then I did a full bestseller book called I'm being canceled. And it's just like, right. Lisa. She was great. And she was great in that role. But the thing is, and what that, you know, what I, that most of the people who are using and invoking this like concept of canceling people, it's really just to trigger conservatives and other and others. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that they've been in any way canceled. In fact, like the term canceled is kind of like it originated. I actually didn't know this, but it originated with like um, this movie from uh, what was it like uh, 20? I mean, it was it was in like. It, it, it was an, a misogynistic movie and now I can't even find it in my notes. Um, but a movie from the nineties used the term, um, like I'm going to cancel that bitch. And it was like, yeah, because uh, this woman was suffering abuse at the hands of a guy and the male character said like, I- I'm going to cancel her. I'll buy another. And then it was invoked in 2010 by Lil Wayne. Uh, like can't I cancel that? that bitch like Nino or something like I wish I could remember the actual movie at this point because I had it um and then it started being used uh on Twitter in 2013-2014 a little bit but really the I the concept of canceling someone is is very 2014 like 
at this point, it's just a really played out, um, lazy way to describe being criticized, I think. And Mm -hmm. for, and having like some segment of the internet say like, Hey, this person made some questionable statements here, or maybe we shouldn't be buying this person's book or this person's products, the MyPillow CEO, you know, like maybe we shouldn't get MyPillow and don't, and bath, you know, bed, bath and beyond is within their rights to, just cancel that contract. Uh, you know, your actions, your words have consequences. And that is something that actually generally should be celebrated. I just, you know, it would be great if we could have more nuance in the conversation and we, we don't necessarily have to shame people in order for them to be accountable. I don't think that, I think that the shaming that happens on the internet and I'm, I participate in it (laughs) like (laughs) is something to, uh, look twice at, to be a little bit more credulous about. You can still Um, shame. Just think before you shame. I mean, there are people like Mitch McConnell that Mitch McConnell, mm -hmm, everlasting shame should Um, be shamed. He should feel deep (laughs) shame every moment of his life. Um, but I was listening to this podcast, <laughs> usual, my usual preface, um, but Brene Brown was talking about shame and accountability in the wake of the July, uh, of the January 6th insurrection and talking about how important it is to try not to uh, dehumanize uh, people and that de- dehumanization is like a function of... Um, like when we want to silence people, it's easier in an ev- like evolutionarily to dehumanize someone because then it's a way of degrading a person so that we can get past that natural inhibition inhibition to treat people as people. And if you're like subverting that, um, it's kind of like the quote unquote loophole to being human. And it's then those people aren't worthy of humane treatment. And I think that that, sort of thinking about the the psychology of that is sort of is interesting like trying not to dehumanize people who we disagree with um trying to teach trying to have a growth mindset with people um again all things that are really not possible on twitter um so which is where the cancel canceling comes from generally you know so anyway and i just wish again like we're this concept makes me makes me have a headache because I like my time my brain and knots thinking about free speech and the role of I mean I think free speech is vital it's one of the most important things but inciting an insurrection not okay um your you know words that lead to lead to violence lead to police brutality lead to brutality against policemen lead to you know modern day lynchings and shooting of, of just it just rampant um uh violence and hate and and increased hate crimes like all those things are incredibly important and need to be taken as seriously if not more seriously than free speech at this moment because we always need to hold free speech in high regard it's it's incredibly important to a free society but there are lots of ways in which the society we've we've seen is not free, is not entirely democratic, is not a representative democracy. Um, and all men and women in this country are not treated equally. So 
we can be better at being a country, the country, the ideals that we have set forth. We, there are, there is so much work to do. And the only way to do that work is to actually be looking clearly at what is happening in this country, like where the violence is happening, what, where the laws are failing people. And when, what, what we, you know, we had this conversation at the beginning about the filibuster, the filibuster is so important. Mitch McConnell is so important to all this because the broken nature of the government comes back to these people who are in power and who refuse to even have conversations about, they refuse to come to the table for compromise. Like, there is no compromising with with them. And I don't know how we how do you get around that? I mean, I will try not to dehumanize Mitch McConnell, but like he is a harmful human being. Like <laughs> he it well it's like yeah, I think there are I think in general it is wonderful advice for everyone to when, you know, you're on the internet with strangers or if you're at in the future at Thanksgiving dinner again and <laughs> arguments are happening to, I mean, it's always important to stop and think and breathe and really think about the other person's perspective and where they're coming from in all of this. And I think with anger, often there's some fear behind it. And I think it's always, it's always good advice to try and consider the human behind words before you come back with your own words. Um, and also think about how your own words will be perceived by other people. Um, definitely important to do all of those things. And I had a point that I was getting to, and uh, I don't know where she went. (laughs) Well, probably. Oh, but there are people like Mitch McConnell. There are people, the absolute worst of the worst, who openly and freely have a disregard for human life in various ways where it's, I think, shaming of those public figures is not bad or wrong because I, I mean, I guess maybe it's wrong, but I don't think it is because if we're, if we're talking about role models and, you know, I hate to be one of the person who's like, the children are watching. (laughs) But in reality, like in, in society, the, how we as a public respond to the actions of those in charge speaks to the society as whole and speaks to how the future generations are going to grow up and who they're going to want to be, you know? So it's like, if we make it clear that Mitch McConnell is a shitty person and that's Mm -hmm. not cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And what's cool is to be kind to other people and to care about your constituents, not be a snivelly little asshole. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, then all the kids at the skate parks will be like, Hey, I want to be cool. (laughs) Not like Mitch McConnell, man. So I don't know, just some food for thought. (laughs) Yeah. Or I mean, the people that are aspiring to be politicians Mm -hmm. and to be change makers will see that actually I mean, we, it should be illegal to be the person that Mitch McConnell is in government. Like that should be punishable with like a jail sentence. And I do think, I do feel about, I feel that this is true. If you are the speaker of the house or, or the leader of the Senate and you haven't passed any legislation that's been meaningful in years, you know, there, there should be a certain point where it's like, you haven't really done anything. You're not working with people. You're actively an obstructionist. All roads of obstruction in the last decade have lead, lead back to Mitch McConnell. And you hear Republicans saying, oh, but Harry Reid abolished like one part of the filibuster. It was like, he did that because it was necessary to do anything in terms of appointing federal judges because of the obstruction of Mitch McConnell. So 
Mitch McConnell has forced this slow um, eroding of norms in the Senate. And then like, so, and now with the extremism, we have these Congress men and women on the, on the, the GOP side who are actual QAnon um, conspiracy theorists. And they don't respond to fact. And that's really, that is really a problem. That's, and people, there have been some interesting articles recently just talking about how the uh, Republicans have been pushed further and further to the right and further and further to a more extreme place since like ever since Reagan, it's just been going further and further to the right tea party more to the right. And now we're in a place where, I mean, even Fox news doesn't really cut it for a lot of these people. And I don't know what to do with that. (laughs) I don't know how to have a conversation with someone who's not taking in any of the news. Like it's one thing to bicker with a partner or a friend or a family member about like woke culture going too far, but that is like the left battling itself. And we, we need to be able to like come together and have, have some, I mean, basically everyone who lives in the world of fucking reality needs to all be on the same side here. And uh, like, because the true problem is, are the people who aren't responding to facts at all and who are not living in a world that is like supported by facts and they're getting like encouraged by their congressional representatives. And then they're getting encouraged by Mitch McConnell, just, you know, voting that it, he doesn't think it's constitutionally okay to impeach a president who, isn't in office anymore, even though he said he was open to it before. And then he was responsible for not uh, convening Congress before the uh, inauguration of Biden. Weird, weird how that all strange mix up he had, I guess. Whoopsie. Whoopsie. As usual, it all, all roads lead back to Mitch. Mitch. Anyway, I mean, that was kind of, that was kind of a little bit of a rambly, rambly rant, but I I just worry that there's, um, you know, part, People, it, I think, is important and part of a vibrant, free society to be calling, to be speaking truth to power. And the concept of cancel culture seems like a direct response to more minority voices speaking up for themselves and calling out, calling things out when they see them and people feeling offended that it's just not being they're not being coddled you know as as they're being criticized um and i think it's no flake conservatives right i think it's completely fair for um people who have whose communities have been oppressed and who's aren't free to be themselves um are sort of fed up with being polite about it i think that that's okay you know that's understandable because being polite about it doesn't work Right. in all things you know and sometimes so just kind of using using the tools you need to to get your voice heard and yeah it's hard with these um i guess i still will call them trumpers because that's what they still are because it's like it's the fine line of not being fully like let's all unite because that's dangerous and toxic and the too nice that accepts them and then that lets that you know, condones behavior and lets mm-hmm. it perpetuate. On the other hand, if you're too 
Um, if you ostracize too much, then they just reinforce in their little bubbles and their little holes and they go underground and plan all their weird, violent shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, honestly, I think we need like some sort of massive nonprofit with like mental health professionals doing like actual, um, actual deprogramming work. It's what it's actually called when people are, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's like these people, it's like, I'm not joking about the cult thing. It's like, they're believing things that are not true, that are proven not to be true. They will see th- videos and, and say, that's not true. They'll see photo evidence all, a million pieces of evidence against one thing by Trump and they'll, they'll believe him um, and so it's like yeah I think we need some sort of like national force to, and mm-hmm. of course if that happened though then they'd be like oh my god they're coming to brainwash me yeah it's all part of what so, Q said Q's plan like yeah so ooh. it's challenging because it's not like a normal campaign where you're just trying to disseminate information to people these people don't need the information they need to somehow learn how to believe the truth again and i don't know what that'll take that'll take i don't know it sounds like quite a project but yeah. someone's got to figure that out because that's like the biggest threat one of the biggest threats to the world yeah it really is and if someone should work on that <laughs> well you know who should start it is uh like the big tech companies bear mm-hmm. a lot of responsibility uh, they bear responsibility for this rise in extremism, so they should take the take it on the chin. This financial, the financial cost and the morass <laughs> that is going to be trying to get us out of this hole of trolls. Hole of trolls. Troll holes. Troll holes. Troll holes three. Holier than ever. <laughs> Ooh, I'm picturing like a. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. I don't need to. It was like, oh God, what are you picturing? I'm not picturing, picturing, but like thought of, Mm -hmm. you know, because holy, like, you know, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm thinking like priest troll porn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not that I'm interested in that. That's about sort right. Of mine. Anyway, <laughs> I'm canceled now. <laughs> yeah, the the uh, Catholic Church is canceling you. Oh yeah. no! Here oh, comes no. the mob. The mob's here for me. I was just joking about some innocent little troll porn. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Not into it. But hey, if if you're into it, there's something yeah, wrong. Yeah, sorry, with that. not too. Now wait a kink shame. Now shame. you're canceled. <laughs> <laughs> canceled by opposite ends <laughs> oh man yeah it's a tough conversation it's um lots and lots of nuance as there yeah. seems to be with lots of things it's almost as if human humans there's new huts yeah <laughs> it's almost yeah. as if the world is a bit complicated and it's also like it would be simple if everyone just like actually operated with like empathy um mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. all of this around like cancel culture and like how do we approach these people is rooted in the idea that these people are dangerous and shitty, but mm-hmm. they're like little bombs that if we leave them unattended, they're just going to go off. So we have to kind of like figure it out. Um, yeah. So if these people could just for some, if they could just somehow um, have not fallen down this path and have, you know, practiced human empathy and kindness. Yeah. Uh, here we are. So. <laughs> Uh, here we are. 
Oh, one other note I wanted yes. to make about this, just because it's very, it's just like an ongoing frustration is Josh Hawley, Senator Hawley from Missouri and Ted Cruz from Texas, oh. both noxious little trolls. Um talking about dehumanization i'm just like <laughs> <laughs> fucking trolls noxious little trolls naughty little trolls <laughs> no noxious <laughs> i know i know no no <laughs> ted cruz come oh, to my chambers <laughs> oh my god yuck um what was i even? oh <laughs> It's already like, ugh. Um, (laughs) Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley frequently make it seem like the concept of cancel culture is an elite concept or something that, like, is uh, happening from people who are elitist, elitist institutions, like the coastal liberals. um, and, And they often, like, it's like, Oh, the Ivy League, like, you know, they're they're woke mobs. And it's just I just want to point out that both Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley went to Ivy League schools. You know, I I, it drives me crazy because they seem to hurl the Ivy League institution woke liberal stuff um, at people when it suits them to be out of touch. But then they're also nonstop insulting AOC for being a bartender and Dinesh D'Souza today was like dunking on a Twitter verified middle school teacher being like, you're, you're a middle school teacher. Ha ha. Why would you even think you could weigh in on this? It's like, Oh my God. So it, 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 it enrages me that they try and successfully have their cake and eat it too. When they're talking about cancel culture and the woke left mobs, it's like, so hypocritical. It's just like whichever benefits them, they use words without tethered to any nothing. Like yeah, the memory of goldfish. It's like yeah. I'm gonna hurl this insult at you, and then I'm gonna say the opposite thing about someone else, and it's gonna mean the same thing. Yeah, it sucks. Okay. And thanks to I'm gonna bring it right fucking back. Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham have essentially told everyone it's okay to totally contradict yourself because words and ethics mean absolutely nothing in government saying so. yeah it's like Lindsay told us to hold him accountable <laughs> when he oh, uh, Lindsay we will Lindsay, Lindsay just Lindsay on Lindsay uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> honestly God. <laughs> anyway uh, is there anything else um on the cancel culture cancel culture menu um yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think basically we we just think people should stop and breathe and think before responding to things. But that is a human. It's actually very. It's interesting. Conservatives get so mad. It's a very capitalist idea that the consumers do, do not like something, so that the business does. You know, it's like consumer mm-hmm. choice, baby. Also, yeah, and Fox News, for instance, it's not why I'm into it. For the record, I'm just pointing it out. Continue. <laughs> Capitalism. No, 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 Yes. 
cat for the list for the cat. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I think that, you know, a lot of this Fox news will, will call out businesses specifically, um, when they want their viewers to sort of boycott like Bed Bath and Beyond or Keurig. Remember when there were conservatives were like dumping Keurigs out of their windows for some reason. Um, I don't remember why. Uh, I, I wish I'd the been there with a bucket. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll take these. Um, but yeah, and a lot of the time those um, those quote unquote cancels that come from the right, you know, they don't really work because everyone's like, mm, I like my coffee actually. Um, But like you say, it is kind of, it's an interesting thing because it's, it's capitalism. It's not that you have, you don't have a first amendment right to have a successful business. You have the right to try. I mean, you could try to have a successful business, but Mm -hmm. if you are a racist piece of shit, or if you say something super sexist or you support Trump, and the majority of the country decides, hey, I could buy from this person or I could buy from this other person. You know, yeah, um, that's that's capitalism. Like you capitalism. say, you don't have the right to have people like you no matter what you say. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. And- the concept, like the idea that, you know, because I think also it's like, oh, I'm being muzzled is another word that's being used a lot, which is frustrating and also not true. But you in this country, you've always like Josh Hawley specifically at this moment, um, you know, you have no one is muzzling you. You have the right to speak. You are in Congress. You're a senator. You have a lot of a platform. You're on TV all the time. You ha- He still has a book deal, just not with Simon & Schuster, you know? So it's not like you don't have a book deal. Again, not a First Amendment right, but whatever. Um, but you have the right to say what you're going to say as long as it's not an incitement of violence, LOL. Um, but... People have the right to call you out on what you say. You don't just your free speech doesn't exist in a vacuum. There are consequences for your words. Words have always led to words and and um, words lead to action. Words lead to violence. Words incite violence. And sometimes in the worst case scenarios, every case in every case of a genocide in history, it has begun with words, with dehumanizing people, calling them the enemy and excluding them from protection as a human being because of, you know, calling them an animal of some sort or whatever, but the, all of these things are interconnected. So you don't just get to be a violent asshole without consequences. Yep. I love it. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah. The golden rule. (laughs) Yeah. Unless you're talking about Mitch McConnell or someone else like that. (laughs) Yeah. Mitch McConnell will allow it. (laughs) Will allow it. (laughs) Yeah. And now for we see you. All right. So uh, this this one uh, took me by surprise. I was scrolling through Instagram as I do, and I follow someone like their little Instagram handle is Pink Manta Ray. They're, um, they post a lot of like trans advocacy stuff, but they were posting about child marriage. And I learned some things that I did not know about child marriage in this here country. Mm. Um, yeah, it's legal in 46 states <laughs> and 20 Yikes. of those states don't require a minimum age at all some of them have been ages of like 12 or 14 um 20 don't have any um most uh 14 of the minors marrying are marrying other minors but 86 percent are minors marrying adults and most of those are underage girls marrying men two to five times their age Yikes. Um, 
Yeah, and when when these children get married, guardianship is usually transferred over to the quote-unquote spouse. So girls who escape are classified as runaways and forced to return to their abuser. Um, and girls who are facing or fleeing forced marriages, nearly all of them have contemplated or attempted suicide. And girls who marry under age 19 are 50% more likely to drop out of high school. It's, and when you look at, at where this, this is happening, a lot of it is happening in places where you have a lot of those Trump supporters who were really, really, really speaking out against child trafficking mm-hmm. um, became a really big issue for them um, mm-hmm. out of nowhere. It just sort of became like the issue for them. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if they care about child trafficking and the abuse of, of children and, and girls, I mean, start in, in our own backyard. Um there's a great organization called Students Against Child Marriage. It's a nonprofit that has a bunch of resources, ways to get involved, ways to help. You can look at your own state, their laws, see who you could write to because it's it's one of those things that kind of just like slides under the radar because mm-hmm. these aren't people who are walking around in public with like yeah. a sign saying like, hey, I'm 50 and this here's my wife who's 13. Like it's... It's basically like legalizing rape and um, abuse. And, you know, it's, I'm not saying that there are instances where it's like, oh, someone's 17 and someone's 19. But like I said, by and large, it's not what is happening here. So mm-hmm. it's, um, it's something that surprised me that is, that is happening in, in such a, is so permissible here in the United States um, because we, Sometimes we say we care about children. We like to legislate around that, but you know, it does mostly impact girls and also girls of color. So of course we care a little bit less, but we see you and I encourage everyone to add it to your, your Googling to do list. If you're trying to get involved into something new. Yeah. Oh God. That's so, uh, that's really upsetting. Yeah. I didn't know that about all the different age you know, yeah. lack of age restrictions. 12 is really, that's it's, really shocking. Honestly. And it's like, when I was 12, I'm sure I was like, I could totally marry, you know, whoever from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but like <laughs> in reality, yeah, I, no, 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 that's, that's incredibly upsetting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my, we see you, Tucker Carlson has really been like back on his bullshit. Um, was he off it though? (laughs) He's never been off it. That's a, that's a really good point. Um, he's been sort of mocking the QAnon conspiracy theory as being like, he's mocking any concern about that. Basically. Um, he, thinks that it's like a total liberal, basically like a liberal hoax. Um, and oh. that's sort of frustrating. So, uh, you know, he talks about how the stakes could not be higher. Uh, there's a clear line between democracy and tyranny, between self-government and dictatorship. And here's where that line is. That line is your conscience. They cannot cross that. Um, so kind of feels like he's rallying um, QAnon conspiracy theorists. Um and kind of wanting them maybe to come back to Fox News because they've kind of jumped Fox News and gone over to OAN. So in a cynical way, it feels like he's almost courting QAnon um, conspiracy theorists. Um, He's certainly defending them. Um, So that was one thing. And then the other thing from today or yesterday was um, he, he really had this like, he 
quoted there was a he had a a quote from Adam Schiff, a quote that was like generally really pretty innocuous. Adam Schiff, um, Congressman Schiff from California was talking to CNN and he was like, oh, we, uh, you know, we want to root out white supremacy. And that's the goal of this administration is to combat like hate crimes and white supremacist violence. And that's a priority. Um, So Tucker Carlson says after that clip. Equity and inclusion means that you will believe what they tell you to believe, period, or else you're a terrorist and they can hurt you because we hurt terrorists. Listen to America's new grand inquisitor, Adam Schiff of California. Got that? The wrong way, vote the wrong way, and you are a jihadi. You thought you were an American citizen with rights and just a different view? No, you're a jihadi. And we're going to treat you the way we treat those radicals after 9-11, the way we treated bin Laden. Get in line, pal. This is a war on terror. Keep your mind, keep in mind as you listen to people talk on like this, and Adam Schiff is far from the only one. Keep in mind they're talking about American citizens. They're talking about you. Uh, It was just, it was some wild shit to follow what was truly an innocuous statement by Adam Schiff. So I, I sort of thought it was interesting, you know, just to keep using kind of like, you're a jihadi, you know, basically like dog whistling, like they're treating you like a dirty Muslim. You know, I kind of felt like that was the, that is like the vibe, the Tucker Carlson vibe that I was getting. Um, like a, like a, like a terror, radical Islamic terrorist. That's what they're treating you like. And you're, no, you're an American. Um, and they're treating you like a brown person, but you're a white person. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm going to try to sort of let uh, Tucker Carlson and Fox News like spin their wheels and be super frustrating. But I think that one thing that I took from the Obama era and my complacency was like laughing at these quotes of these fucking assholes from the safety of like the John Stewart and Stephen Colbert's studios in New York, just being like, who are these idiots? Who even listens to them? They're in the minority. They're just losing power permanently. My major concern and again, this gets to everything we've already talked about, is that these increasingly militant, militarized groups of conservatives are being egged on by Fox News. They are being radicalized by Fox News. And um, it needs to be taken seriously and called out as it happens. So yeah, this is just this is just um, a we see you to Tucker Carlson. Um, I hope at some point he's deplatformed. There was an interesting thing written by I think James Murdoch one of the Murdochs who is sort of like sick of his family being like toxic to democracies everywhere and he and his wife like posted some blog posts where they were like that Fox News is super responsible for all of this stuff anyway I hope at some point that Murdoch can like be more in charge of Fox News um and a funny little other thing case is uh uh Tucker's um, Tucker's real, like his full name is Tucker Swanson McNear Carlson. <laughs> and I didn't know this, but he's the son of a former U.S. ambassador to the Seychelles. He actually was an heir to a fortune. And, you know, now he's obviously has a huge platform on Fox News. But, you know, again, talking about the American dream and saying that there's no such thing as like inherent privilege, you know. What a treat. So Tucker Carlson firing on all cylinders in the Biden administration, being like the worst in every way he possibly could be. We see you. We see you. 
All right. So Claudia Conway is a 16-year-old we've talked about before. Um, she's called out her parents' hypocrisy publicly and Kellyanne Conway, her mother in particular, for being abusive towards her. She's recorded videos of her mom being emotionally and physically abusive and has posted some of them to TikTok. I've seen some of them. They include Kellyanne hitting her while she had COVID. God. Um, screaming at her with like calling her the most awful names with these just like tear character tear downs. Um, really, really, really awful stuff. And I watched that. I'm like, yep, that's an that's an abusive parent. Yeah. Um, most recently, Kelly Ann posted a topless photo of her 16 year old daughter somehow on accident. Um, Allegedly, Claudia is now saying that the photo, she believes that it wasn't shared by her mother on purpose, but that she likely took the photo from Claudia to use it as blackmail and then her phone was hacked. Um, Because there's just been this, it it seems like there's this push and pull where Kellyanne is trying to coerce her daughter into like taking back some of the things she said. And that's why she released the videos is because her parent, particularly her mother, tried to force her to take her words back and she said she's met with lawyers but her parents are too powerful to be able to for her to really be emancipated and whatever so she just like posts videos of the shit because it's i think that's her only power in all of this Mm -hmm. um because her mother makes her change her words and so you can see the videos and there's can't you know can't make that up um so of course we see you to kelly and for obviously being an abusive mother in addition to all the other terrible things she is um but also to the adults who are publicly attacking claudia and whenever there's a teenage girl in the news there are Mm -hmm. adults publicly attacking her no matter what it's about whether it's greta thurnberg like no matter who it is yeah (laughs) if it's a teenage girl People are going to come. People have thoughts. Adult men, especially, have lots of thoughts. Adult men have thoughts. Adult women with internalized misogyny. Yeah. Too. But oh, yeah. Adult men love coming for the teenage girls with their their opinions, their hot takes from their wonderful lived experiences. Um, It's always a treat, always a pleasure. Yeah. A lot of them, you know, calling her awful names and saying she's just doing everything for attention. She just wants the attention. She's here for the attention. that's like if your instinct is to tell a 16 year old she was undergoing abuse that is verified um that she's just too dramatic then like your instincts are shitty and you're kind of a bully yeah um so we see you and i hope that um i really wish the best for claudia like this it seems like it's really dark what's happening over there and it's just like we're all kind of just you know watching and can't really do anything and God, yeah. it has to be of course she has the privilege of money and stuff but it has to be tough to be that that girl yeah so i hope two years can go by quickly and she can get the fuck out of there yeah we see you we see you that one's tough that's that's uh, yeah it's hard to see that un- unfolding and in the public sphere basically and and it's just it's so uncomfortable like yeah. I hope she, yeah, I feel bad for, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, this one is a quick one because there's not a whole lot of information yet that I can find about it, but it was posted on Twitter um, originally by this user, Lulu Nevy, um, at L-O-U-L-U-N-E-V-Y. 
And she and posted, and then it was retweeted by, I've mentioned this guy a lot. This It's a never Trump Republican, T. Greg Doucette. Um, and he's like a lawyer and he has been um, like categorizing and, and cataloging police brutality ever since May, ever since like the George Floyd incident. He's kind of has this long Excel and he has this long thread and he kind of talks about talks about all this stuff. So um, Lulu Nev posted this video that's really disturbing um, from a high school. It looks like Liberty High School in Osceola County in Orlando, Florida. Um, and it's an officer body slamming a student, um, a, a black girl. I mean, it's sort of like she's he's he's it looks like she's already sort of subdued. She like teachers have it in hand and he this there's a video from a few different angles but he grabs her grabs her by kind of like her arms and body slams her to the ground and you can see her head hit the ground and you hear it and it's just like she's and then she's unconscious obviously unconscious and there are students and everyone's disgusted everyone's around kind of like reacting um and it's one of those videos that i didn't feel like i wanted to retweet or you know with the we see you because it's just so atrocious and violent um but it's a situation that i really want to know more about i want to know that that girl is okay i want to know what the fuck is being done to discipline this officer i know that again like things that happen on twitter sometimes there isn't full context but when you see a, a petite girl already kind obviously you know maybe she had some sort of like health crisis or, you know, something, but certainly it's not like she had a weapon and she was already kind of seemed like she was subdued standing by other people around her. And to see an officer, um, just come in and body slam her to the ground and she hits her head and it's like, it's, it's, it's atrocious. And it's just, I, I worry, I, I wonder how, how often things like this happen that we, that aren't caught on video and the impunity thanks to like police unions and police protectors uh, where this is basically just seen to be in some way permissible. Like the girl was in some way asking for this type of treatment. I mean, I, I really, I will like try to make a note to update on the next pod just to see I, I, you know, I want to know that she's okay. I mean, I, I literally, you could, it looks like the force with which her head was hit, hit the cement, you know, could be fatal. It was so disturbing. And so anyway, this is, we see you to the officer in um, Osceola County, Florida uh, for his violent, unnecessary bullshit. Ugh, yeah, he needs to be out of there and not receiving any kind of money. We need reform, reform, reform. That is disgusting. Yeah. All right. So my this my last one is um, not as serious as the others, but it is still an important 
so important <laughs> to everyday life and to human decency. Um, so I got an email from an administrator at my office building with a subject line, ladies room dash. It's been reported, smiley face. She lets us all know that she is aware of the ladies room and it's quote unquote state of general disarray that it has been reported and that a ticket has been open and she's keeping an eye on the situation. <laughs> an eye on the situation. Okay. <laughs> So my team is mostly remote, so I don't know exactly what happened. Um, general disarray in the ladies' room sounds like work speak for shit, vomit, and blood smeared on the walls. <laughs> uh, well-worn tampons lying the floor and moisture on every surface. Um, and it's just every time... Because there's a difference between a bathroom that's just not kept and a bathroom that's been sullied intentionally or carelessly Mm -hmm. and unless you're having a medical emergency in which case whatever happens happens man like you know uh it's just it's so selfish and it's it's so much of what is wrong with like i don't know if it's humans or americans individualistic like i am special i'm just gonna leave my poopy toilet paper or whatever (laughs) on the ground and it's fine it's just one thing it's just me and then enough people do it and you've got an environment that's awful for everyone that comes in after you it's just it's it's something that you should have learned when you were a child to just like treat others how you want to be treated be mindful of the people that around you will be coming to the space after you and then you got you've got it's just warfare i mean and then you get in a like place with drunk people and it's like a million times worse oh my god the ladies bathrooms at uh, some, some bars and, and clubs from back in the day oh my goodness it's not cute um, it's not cute and it's just i think it, it's kind of like the some people you know will wear masks for other people it's like it's just this selfish individualist bullshit that I'm so tired of and it's just like I feel like I see it everywhere now um Mm -hmm. and you know just clean up after yourself in the bathroom be kind to other people wear your your you know your mask when you're at the office um when you're going to the grocery store when you're inside like just come on people get it together yeah Come on. Stop Come shitting on. on the walls. <laughs> honestly, honestly. Ugh. It's like, how does that still, like, why? I know. Ladies. Grown up. Grown ups. <laughs> Grown ups in the daytime at their job. <laughs> really not cool. Um, all right. My last we see you <sighs> continues to be just like such frustrating, violent speech from elected officials yay yay um, the uh marjorie taylor green who's been a we see you a number of times at this point um and has only been in congress for like a week at this point um so she is from uh a district in northern georgia she's the one who ran unopposed when the democrats just like were unceremoniously dropped out too late for another Democrat to run against her. Super sketch. Um, anyway, um, there are new reports that Marjorie Taylor Greene has indicated support for uh, executing prominent Democrats in Facebook comments, videos, and likes in 2008 and 2000, I'm sorry, in 2018 and 2019. Um you know, it's the extreme violent rhetoric, nothing new for her, but it is pretty disturbing. And she doesn't um, disavow those remarks, you know, and it's like different things talking about the hangings of 
Obama and Hillary. Um, she is a prominent um, believer in Q and QAnon. Mm. Um, oh she's one of the people that didn't wear a mask and was giving COVID to other representatives uh, when the insurrection was happening. Um, so yeah, she she is a far-right extremist who is advocating violence. And um, she also had liked comments about... Um, saying a bullet to the head would be quicker to remove House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and executing FBI agents who were part of the, quote, deep state working against Trump. Um, she, uh, you know, has said that in response to CNN's question, direct questions about all these violent statements, um, she didn't deny it. She just said, quote, over the years, I've had teams of people manage my pages, m- many Posts have been liked. Many posts have been shared. Some did not represent my views, especially the ones CNN is about to spread across the internet. It's like you, I mean, okay. You know, and then when it comes to, um, because there are questions about whether or not she should be expelled from the house in terms of like, because of her role in the insurrection. Um, she's one of those people who is, um, and, and it's a number, it's a lot of people in the GOP in Congress um, saying that she condemns the violence at the Capitol, but she continues to say that it's really like a lot of those people were Antifa, Black Lives Matter terrorists. Um, oh God. Yeah. So she basically said that like this, the instruction is like the fault of like Cori Bush and Ilhan Omar, Kamala Harris, AOC, Tim Kaine. Um, so yeah, saying that they Tim Kaine organized it all. Tim Kaine's behind the, he's behind the coup. It was Tim Kaine. (laughs) Wow. It's just insane. She's also the one who, who has put forth articles of impeachment against Joe Biden already. That's like, yeah. which that's like her thing. So anyway, she's crazy. And to quote, I mean, Ben Sass, my le- one of my least favorite senators, um, she's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And it's sort of like, he wrote something about that. And I thought, you know, it would be so great if you actually had said that when she was running. And if you guys, if you guys had, if, if the GOP wasn't in such a toxic place in general, she wouldn't be there, but you've permitted the culture that has allowed her to run and win in Georgia. So God, just awful. Marjorie Taylor green. I'm super worried about her. She's She's not there. Yeah. She's like, she is there and she is, it's happening. So we see you. Yeah, I hope we don't get more of those in there. That's another thing to to watch out for. What was our good thing this week? (laughs) I honestly don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) You found it. Remember? I thought so. Uh... Or did I? I said a lie. (laughs) What was good? Um... Nothing good has happened. <laughs> well, I think we were going to do maybe the, a lot of the good things we did up front with the Biden administration, maybe. That's true. We did. We did talk about it. We you talked know. about that. Great. Know. You know, what else is no. good? Um, uh, more. Yeah. The Johnson Johnson vaccine is getting closer. And the, oh my God, how am I forgetting that? Uh, AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca? Yes, AstraZeneca. That one's getting close too. And so hopefully we'll be able to actually get everyone vaccinated and the variants won't get in the way. And yeah. so that's great. Um, 
<laughs> it's so hard to not um, have it go down like such a date. Like every good thing, I feel like I have like a negative comment to spin off of it. So yeah, it's like, but don't forget about, like, you remember, do you think about federal judges lately? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Another, um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. There's just, there is a lot of good stuff happening around the executive orders with Biden. And, yeah, oh, good... the, what? this is what we're going to do. The, um, what's her name from the inauguration? Oh, Amanda Gorman. Amanda Gorman's the good yes. thing. Oh, the inaugur- yes. Cause we realized before we started talking, we're like, oh my gosh, we haven't talked on here since the inauguration. We have to mention Amanda Gorman and how amazing she is. Duh. Yeah. Uh, yes. Amanda Gorman. She, oh my God. So I, I was I was like working while I was watching it, um, so not not working too hard for a few minutes there. And but when she, I mean, when Garth Brooks was singing, it was like cool, Garth. I'm typing. Mm-hmm. But then like when Amanda started speaking and I was listening to her words, it was just like you have my full undivided attention. You are a national treasure. Just. God, it's like she's she just spoke. I don't know. She's just like the new conscience of of this country. Yeah, um, she just articulated everything so well that you know so many of us have been feeling for so many years, and you know, incorporating her own perspective as a young black woman, and um, yeah, she's yeah. just incredibly powerful, and she's. I'm very ready for her her presence in this world. Um, Me too. I mean, obviously, she was already here and doing quite well, but you know her <laughs> on her, stage, her elevated, yeah, mm-hmm. elevated. Yeah, because she's one to watch. And if you somehow missed um, missed her, you should really need to Google Amanda Gorman inauguration. Um, oh, I also enjoyed, yeah, when yeah. J Lo <laughs> went with the "Let's Get Loud" at the end. And then I actually Schumer, I liked. Yeah, that. I liked it. I actually <laughs> did like it. I, it like fit in. It fit. It if fit. You watch the whole thing, and you're. It just was like, yeah, let's get loud. It was. For it was like it's the time. future. Yeah. yeah. No, it did fit. I love. Like, let's advocate fit. for ourselves. Uh, yeah. So it's so, fun. Lee was again. Garth Brooks, sure, good for you. He refused to do Trumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man, country. Yeah, yeah okay. all right. So, I was like, all right, was, unity, okay. Like. Yeah, and overall, it was it was great. There was some great fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, Lady Gaga these, really did look like she was from the Hunger Games. She did, and I was here for it. <laughs> yeah. And Michelle was just like <gasps> vision and purple. Then, oh of course, everyone, all anyone could talk about fashion wise is Bernie's fucking mittens. But <laughs> I know. <laughs> And Bernie's, yeah, Bernie's and friends. um, oh my gosh, what's his name? Doug's uh, stepdaughter, Doug's daughter, Kamala's stepdaughter, who had that like sequined coat. She had like oh, an, an yes. that houndstooth sequin, which was totally distracting. My, you know, Campbell was like, my boyfriend was sort of like, who is that? She's like, what is that jacket? But I, I really liked it. I thought that it was like cute, and again. And she does fashion stuff in Brooklyn. I think she studies fashion. Mm-hmm. I Googled it because I was like, that's bold. That was bold for everyone else was wearing like a plain kind of monochromatics. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the best, obviously. Michelle, Michelle, I gasped. I was just like the <laughs> unbelievable and the bounce in her hair and just the, mm-hmm. she was just like, yes, I am here yeah. and I'm wearing a similar color to the 2016 
inauguration or 2017 mm-hmm. like for Trump, but just like turned the fuck up. Oh, it was great. It was quite a moment. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. And Barack was looking dashing too, but you know, whatever. Michelle's <laughs> husband. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shelly's yeah. man. But yeah, so good. The inauguration general was pretty uplifting. I mean, yeah. it was anxious the whole time. Like it's going to, okay, it's happening. Yeah. But, yeah. There were tears. It's, yeah, I feel better. First woman. First yeah. of color, of South Asian descent in the vice president's office. Should have been in the president's office already, but yeah. we'll get there. And it's wonderful, even though now we don't have any black women in the Senate. But shoot, <laughs> did it. I did it again. We're just Oops. Not- <laughs> <laughs> incapable of doing just a pure good thing. It's just, well, it is the time. There are going to be dogs in the White House again. I oh, think yeah. Met, I'm sure it's been mentioned, but like, yeah, champ and major, champ German and chefs. Major. At least one of them's a rescue. Um, we heard gonna, them barking a, in like uh, one of the press conferences. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Beautiful day. Beautiful day to be a dog in America. <laughs> <laughs> it's return the soul to the White House. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing bad I have to say about dogs in the White House, man. No, no, it was good. All, right. All good things. And it was good. good. And it was. <laughs> and it was good. All right. So oh. we'll leave it there. Um, yeah. Everyone, in, uh, as always, have a blessed week. Good week. Week two in Biden's America. Biden's America. That's better than before. Yeah.